Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible. From the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The Side Woo. This is co-host Sarah Tebow, and this week we are presenting a conversation that we recorded back at the end of January. And funny story about that, but we basically thought we lost the file because of the way that Zoom downloads things and, you know, and thank God we ended up finding it because it was a really lovely conversation. We talk with Australian artist Jack Granford, who is a friend of mine that I met at the Ness Artist Residency in Iceland. We were both there in November 2019, pre-pandemic, just living our best lives. We talk with Jack about her paintings, as well as how she chooses her models, her recovery from breast cancer, and what she's looking to do next now that she's on the mend. Um, And I give her a tarot reading at the end. So I'm really excited for this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Please reach out with any questions, comments, feedback, and, you know, feel free to follow us on all the social medias. Okay, on to the episode. did a tooth whitening strip that said it was gonna change my teeth by 12 levels um from one use yeah uh danger zone I know. <laughs> like crazy yeah, my so mouth crazy. is so like dead that i couldn't feel anything really i was a little scared for you that's better hi jack Hello, Sarah. It's so good to see your face again. Likewise. I think it's amazing the connections that you make with um, residencies, like just that short amount of time. You just make these lifelong friends. It's wonderful. Especially, I felt like we had a really good group. Was you know, it? So it was, it was really funny. I was with the young people's house. They were the same age as my kids. And I had to try so hard not to be mum. <laughs> and lovely to meet you, Elizabeth. You I was just too. having a look at your website and your photos and they're beautiful. Oh, so thank you. I particularly liked the hairy legs. I thought they were fabulous. There's just something, I don't know, it's about the little pieces of people that I found very interesting. Sarah, I love your blue late your blue lady that you painted as well. Oh, at, thank uh, you. Yeah, that means a lot from coming from the master figure painter. Oh, I think we're all masters in our own way, aren't we? Jack, I was looking at your website and that you do photorealistic oil painting, hearkening back to 17th century painting and I'm in this awe and reverence of technique that feels anachronistic, but not in the, like, it should go away, but literally like this technique has time traveled. And so you feel like a time traveler. So how does it feel to you having a technique that is almost not of this astral plane? Oh, it's, that's interesting that you say that because, um, growing up in Australia, realism was a real no-no when I was a kid. Now it's changed. I think it's changing worldwide, but it was almost like as an artist, you were ostracized for painting realistically. It was like the opposite of what Picasso and all of and the impressionists went through. It was like, no, thou shalt not paint in a realistic style. And I just couldn't help myself because I enjoyed it. I suppose it just comes down to the fact that you can only ever be the artist that feels right when you're doing it and that maybe at some stage in that very early or pre-birth or whenever it is we get given this choice how are you going to paint <laughs> when you join the earthly plane and and I, I picked realism and it's interesting because I haven't really studied the masters but maybe I have you know maybe we study and we don't know that we study because I do remember when I was about 10 years old we did a family trip to Europe and it was mind-blowing for me. I saw all the Renaissance artists and they did have a huge impact on me and I thought, I want to do that. So, yeah, so maybe that, that they were my teachers of sorts, just visiting galleries and, and viewing art that I loved. And it's interesting how the times are changing and it feels 
okay now to paint how I want to paint. And I think that we're in a good time at the moment because artists of all styles, I think, have that acceptance that any style you paint in is amazing and wonderful and it's sharing a voice and an idea and an emotion. So, uh, so yeah, but I certainly don't think of myself as a master. I just think of myself as somebody who's doing what I love to do and I can't help but do that. That sounds very egalitarian and we're all valued for our art and we are all valued for your yeah. art. And I just want to, without denigrating other things, recognize the level of skill that oh, goes thank you. into photorealistic oil painting. And a quality of light that you get is so beautiful. What's your relationship to light? Because oh, I love it. Yeah. I think it's, it's where I go first. I've got two things that I like to focus on and one is light. So it's great that you mentioned that, Sarah. It's I think that it really creates a mood and it evokes emotion. And, and so I do love light. I think that's one of the things I've started exploring first. And I think it's a bit of a 20th century thing too, with film that lights become really appreciated and valued because, you know, film is crucial to have good have lighting it just makes the mood and I suppose I think I was influenced by that I would see something and go oh that looks dramatic that looks fantastic and I think that the other thing I go to are eyes I love eyes I think that if I'm painting something that's figurative I start at the eyes so light and eyes are the two things and it the hell of a lot of a patience to be honest I listen to lots of audio books and it's very meditative the technique involved in what I do because it is very time consuming but I really enjoy that because it does help me go to a lovely space where it's just me in the studio and and my work and yeah definitely it's a form of meditation. I've taught the basic like drawing class and as someone who grew up doing a lot of drawing I didn't really know how I learned, but yeah, I really feel like if someone is willing to put in the time, ultimately you can get to the point where you can draw well, but it takes a level of presence and patience that not everyone has. And maybe that's like the difference between someone who's like going to go the extra mile and like learn the skill versus someone who's just not called to do it. I don't know if you feel like this too, because you actually run an art school, but I do think a lot of learning art is about putting in the time and then being present with the work and the material. That's exactly, exactly it. And, and for something like realism, it's a lot to do with measurement. There's an element of mathematics in it that you then take initially. It's a bit like learning music. And I was a musician as so I studied music, I did, got a music degree and, and, and I think maybe that's also connects to the style that I paint in too because there is a similarity. You get the measurement and you have the technique and from that you then bounce into what you want to say with it. It's measurement of line, measurement of angle in terms of the actual, the shape of what you're painting or sculpting and then, and then the tonal values also is measurement, you know, let's measure that level of light versus that level of dark and then what's going to be in, in the middle on just the pure technical side of it and then the patience I guess to to do it and to be constantly saying well is that right I look for what's wrong that's how I work I, I do something and then I look at it and go well what isn't right about this how can I change it and I genuinely believe that if somebody chooses to paint in a realistic style that it is about continually to using your eye to evaluate what you're looking at um and to persist. And, and, and you mentioned my art school because it's with kids who are just adorable. And I do adult workshops as well, but the school's dedicated to kids. We've brought in a realistic drawing and painting class because as you say, there are some kids that do want to learn that. And it's nice just to be able to offer that for those kids who are drawn to that style. But it, it is fascinating with the school because you just see the, the diversity of interest in all these little beings. And you can tell them when they're very young what sort of an artist they'll, they'll grow up to be. It's lovely to watch. That's so interesting. Can you say more about that? Maybe an example of someone that you've been able to follow? Well, there are some kids you just know are going to be artists. I've had a, a couple that I've had the pleasure of knowing them since prep and then seeing them at their year 12 graduation and thinking, yep, they're an artist because their whole being rotated around needing to do art. And yeah, the, you know, there are some kids who just will almost throw the paint. They'll Jackson Pollock it. 
and it's just them. You, they're not going to do anything else. They just need to do that. And it's beautiful to see it. So it's so expressive and free. And then there are some kids who will just, just be so painstaking and they'll take so much time and they create these beautiful masterpieces that, that take far longer than anybody else, but it has to be just so. And they're, they're born that way. I think we're all born how we're born. Personalities oh, developed. You have so many baked in characteristics from that minute you start interacting with anything really. I have a, a tangential question. I started looking at the body and the, the way there's such close-ups of intricate body language and the gestures and the way skin is described and the texture of skin and the way bodies take up space. And, you know, we are in a fight to be able to love our bodies and to oh, yes. feel like our bodies are okay. And it's a fight I have struggled with. And I never want to assume about anybody. If you are a resident of planet earth, you have had some type of emotional experience Huge. with how our body fits into, you know, the hierarchies of what bodies air quotes should be. So how does painting the body in this way, does it influence how you feel about your own physical yeah. self? I think it does. And I, maybe that's partly why I'm drawn to it because I've had terrible body issues growing up. And I think there's a lot more awareness about body now, which is fantastic. But yeah, so I've had this body struggle all my life, which I think having a daughter has helped me work through enormously because I had to really go, oh, hang on, what am I doing? you know, and, and it's important to work through it too. I painted a friend of mine who was, had just had a hysterectomy actually, and it was lovely to paint her because she wasn't feeling comfortable in her body, but she looked beautiful. And I do love the texture on the skin. I love getting up close and just seeing all the tiny parts that make us. Not everybody appreciates me doing that, I have to say. I've had a few uh, people go, oh, really? <laughs> does it look like, but when you do it up close, yeah, it does look like that, which I love. Um, yeah, they're like, I want more of like a sergeant brush and not yes. like that. <laughs> yes, Even yeah. nice, smooth and airy. <laughs> yeah, I did have one person say she really hated the painting. <laughs> was because I've just been a bit too a bit too full on with my detail I have to I did have to sergeant it up a bit but yeah I think that I, I love seeing the body I love painting nudes too because I think it's just this acceptance of our bodies as they are naturally and you know we have a lot of things around us that you can't do this and you can't do that and it's all social conformity and so it's nice to see the body as a lovely expression and and it's just that it is a lovely expression it's interesting sometimes people's reaction when you say you have had a lady posing naked in your lounge room or a man posing naked in your lounge room and if they're not an artist they might sort of think oh hang on what's going on there <laughs> but I feel very privileged to be able to paint the human form and and express something and it's very healing for me too so. and to be trusted I did my first one-on-one -on -one photo shoot with Kristen who's that painting that you were talking about and I've done like figure drawing where the people are nude but that was the first time I was like doing it just the two of us you know with the model and just the trust that goes into someone letting you do that and I thought about in the history of the artist and the model and how maybe that relationship hasn't always been respected even up to the current day and just how important it is to establish a new dynamic where there's like healing for both sides like because for them it's also a great opportunity but you don't want to abuse that as a voyeur well no I agree completely with you Sarah I think that she's it's a great privilege isn't it for somebody to to trust you enough and and to be you know alone with you or if it's a friend who volunteers and it's not something they would normally do but they trust you as an artist to say this is all of me I'm bearing myself to you it's it's extraordinary actually when you think about it I'm a bit of a hypocrite but I had the opportunity of a friend who was going to do a photo series of the artist nude so reverse the camera and I heard the idea went yeah that's fabulous I'm in but then as it is it sometimes can be with ideas you know I two hours later went oh hang on am I in <laughs> and in my head I was went yes of course I'm in I should be but there was a part of me that went oh 
can I disrobe in front of this person? And he was lovely and I completely trusted him, but uh, it's it's very confronting. So yeah. I may still do it. I haven't yet. I may, so you may still see it. I haven't dismissed the idea. Oh, cool. <laughs> I mean, we're getting into other topics, but when people take their clothes off, it's not considered anymore like a, a respected way of either earning money or engaging with people but it is a sacred thing to undress and be painted and immortalize this like time and moment to have it be dismissed because of nudity is really you know kind of giving the judgment a lot of power over sort of the gifts of that moment yeah, I hope Instagram's lightening up because Instagram had a lot of judgment over the yeah. nude. Like, yeah, all these images of lovely nude paintings with funny little squares over the nipples to cover yeah. them. <laughs> and, uh, but I've noticed, I think they've lightened up and appreciated that it's art now because I can now post what I'm painting. But I mean, the, the, the nude's only, it's just a part of art, isn't it? I love anything that has a conversation about it because if you all art is having a story I look at it and go oh that's what resonates with me I wonder if that's what the artist was thinking and uh, I mean is that where you come from yes for me I'm definitely a story person as well and I think that it's impossible to not tell some kind of story even if it's a black square you have this whole narrative behind it about the history of art and who the artist is and what this painting is doing in the gallery space. It's just the brain's natural instinct to tell a story about any given situation. So to me, to say that you're making work that's beyond language is impossible because at some point we're going to have to turn it into a conversation or language, or I would love for us to move beyond the patriarchy of language. I read that the history of language started as religion was moving from a like divine feminine mode into the patriarchal judeo-christian model which or pagan i guess can we cut that out um do you guys know what i'm talking about so let me try that again when language started society was built around like a matriarchal social structure and you know emotions and feelings were prioritized and nonverbal communication was prioritized more and as soon as written language started evolving, it's when it became a more patriarchal society. It's really interesting because so many of the languages have the masculine and the feminine. I was speaking to somebody who was who was saying in Spanish that a lot of the youth are changing the um, feminine and, and the masculine and, and creating a neutral in there. So it's like a non-binary language, which I think is a really great way to go because before we even start doing anything words come out of our mouth and immediately it's male or female you know who are you talking to is it male or female you know and in certain languages what object have you got it'd be interesting to know what we would be if we took it all the way and went back and, and what stru the structure of society would be um so. but yeah back to story or not story is it possible to not tell a story about art when you see it I don't know. Not for me. So Elizabeth, with, with you with art, is that what you have behind your art? Because I'm really interested in what other people do. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I'm a photographer, I'm not a painter. And you guys both paint the human body and the body as a conduit for emotional experience and to tell stories about not just who we are, but our time and place in society. The figures are very contextualized. They're not just like floating in the ether. And I'm photo-based, which means literally that the, um, the moment that I'm photographing is literally there. It's light. It's the record of light as it reflected off of the person or whatever it was. So that is a literal capture of time. But no, I am not into storytelling. Ah, that's interesting. Um, and when people have looked at my photographs and been like, I wonder what was happening. I'm like, who cares? I am oh. really interested in the individual photograph as a conduit of an emotional experience, which isn't connected to a narrative thread. And so it's the total opposite. Maybe that's because you can never get away from the story. 
you yeah, know, like, photograph. whereas we're having to create the story out of our blank canvas, you like literally yeah. have to remove yours from the story of when you took it. And so maybe we're both trying to like meet in the middle. I don't know about you, Jack, but when I heard you say like the emotional moment, I, maybe it's not fair to say that like a literal narrative drives my work, but definitely there's something going on emotionally that ultimately is a quote unquote story, but does the viewer need to construct a narrative? Not necessarily, but if it helps them recall like that same feeling in their life from something personal that happened, or even if they can't articulate what's happening inside them, I would be happy if something came up, but I don't need it to be like a literal narrative arc I would completely agree yeah for you and it is interesting the difference between photography and painting I mean be be very interesting to see if that's like across the board it's uh it's very interesting isn't it the the basis from which art is is born Hmm. this is a total side tangent I was listening to you Jack on the draw the winner from 2018 and for some reason you guys went on this tangent especially with the host um talking about spirits yeah weird I don't know why we did that but I I do quite like tangents it's it's a bad habit I have to just start somewhere and end up somewhere else we're talking about ghosts and what were we saying in particular well you had just done a performance where you collaborated with a like a orchestra or a composer, perhaps. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. And you said when you went to the prison, you found there were places oh, that had this really heavy energy. Right. Yes, it was. This is this really old prison in, in Melbourne that's now closed down. We got there just days before it closed down. We were allowed to, to go in and I got some reference for some artwork for a project I'm working on with a composer. Still working on it, mind you. I blame COVID for the delay. Uh, and there was some dark stories in this prison and there were just certain rooms that you went into where you could just sense that bad stuff had happened and you'd like feel this crawling down your back and that prison that we went to was a prison that a friend of mine had gone to when he was 20 he oh gosh he's passed away now but this is 80 years ago he went to prison for being gay which is not a crime of course so it's this place where there's this great darkness and these terrible crimes mixed in with these people that are in there and they haven't done anything except just be who they are so yeah that was that was really interesting and a little bit spooky and awful to think of my friend in his youth of having been there two years he was in prison for which is just horrendous but uh, he lived a good life after that though and in his 60s started doing dressing in drag and performing and was really applauded for being who he is or who he was I think always think who he is really he still lives on in everybody's memories so uh, and just such a character just amazing full of energy Tootsie is his name and I painted Tootsie I did a couple of portraits of Tootsie and this goes back to story again because I felt that his story needed to be told and portraiture is a very direct connection to story I think here's this person here is their story and and then here is my story about their story which is through the through the portrait when did it become legal I've, I've, I've got a terrible memory for dates I think it was around about the 50s but I may be incorrect so if people listening to this go no that's not right I will concede yes it's not right but but we weren't quick off the mark and I've got a friend who's from Denmark we only just recently brought in gay marriage and she's been living here for about 40 years. And she said, finally, you've caught up Australia. We're very progressive in many ways. I mean, we're not as bad as some, but we could have been quicker. That's for sure. It seems horrific now to think that somebody could go to jail for being gay. People are nowadays more informally punished for who they are. Like yeah, on right. the street, harassment or discrimination. Well, when I spoke to Tootsie, he said back in the day, if you were gay, it was considered that you were like a pedophile. They put the two together and, and that's how they saw the threat of being gay. My ex-husband, his brother came out as gay and this is in the 60s, 70s and immediately his mum took him to a psychiatrist. 
Thank goodness we are improving that. Like you see all the changes. We now have this amazing pride centre that's been built in Victoria that is is celebrating the community and is this extraordinary architectural feat. Society is becoming becoming better. I, I like to say that because there's so many bad things happening at the moment. Like you look at the news and think, oh God, it's awful, awful, awful. But, but yeah, you can look back like 30 years and be like, oh, right, it was way worse. <laughs> we look at the news in, you know, what's happening over in, in America and I see the marches and for the women marching and people doing all these protests. And you can look at that and go, oh, isn't it terrible that they have to march? But the fact that they are marching, how fantastic that they can march without having repercussions. Pro-choice is like hanging on by a thread. I know. Very tiny, tiny little thread. That we have to fight about local elections for the American readers. Like every midterm local election you can get your hands on, like volunteer in all the swing states. Those are the places that things like this happen. So just a little soapbox moment. I think the soapbox <laughs> moments are really important because we yeah. are hanging on by a thread and it's so important for us to hang on and all the things that we've won to keep. There's a lot of subliminal bias that we don't even know that's out there. And as an Aussie, I would recommend that when you have your voting, get a sausage sizzle going and oh my God. vegan <laughs> sausages as well for people. With sausage sizzle. Yeah, that's what we do. We have voting's always on a Saturday. So there's no problem with work. So, and it's, it is compulsory. I know that's a sort of a, a yeah. gray area, but if people really don't want to vote, they can just put a dummy vote in and go and grab their sausage and go home and say, great day out with the kids. <laughs> Aww, I love that. In Virginia, this past midterms, I volunteered for a couple of campaigns and in really heavy gerrymandered districts, they had never had weekend voting. And so they were having after hours weekend voting and they were having a Sunday after church voting pancake breakfast. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's better than us. The post and just take them from the church to the voting booth, have your picnic and do it like after you voted basically that's and it made a huge difference people don't really want to go and do it but you really have to (laughs) yeah hang on to the rights that we have that are so important liz when do you need to go i have a little bit more time i have one question about your painting and childhood that i'm dying to ask can i pop in before we do the tarot oh yeah to say because we're going to do tarot. Oh, I'm excited about the tarot. I'm really excited, and I was going to also mention the spiritual side of of things with art because I know that's part of the side woo. But, but Elizabeth, your your question first. I'm curious. We were talking about how our interests come very early. Interests that you saw in yourself before you started painting that you now look back and are like, like oh, that's me. That was the same interest. Like, where did you see this? It up? was really literal for me. My mum was a violin teacher and she had um, a couple of little old ladies. They were probably younger than me at the time. (laughs) Come and have uh, violin lessons. Whilst one was having a lesson, the other one would sit with me and I would draw. And they were so encouraging. I I think it was at that moment I went, I'm going to be an artist. And then there were the realism. I did a drawing for my mum in that classic kid style with the arms sticking out. And was very proud of myself, thought this is fabulous. Here, mum, I've done this for you. And she said, but my arms don't do that. It was a full-on critique. It really was. But she was right. I looked at her arms and went, hmm. She's like, where's the foreshortening? It was a bit harsh, actually, but in a good way. So they were like really early times. I collected a little plastic smurf of an artist when I was in about grade three where I'm going to be an artist. It's just that form of creativity an expression that I feel is is very important to me and to keep me sane. And then heading into the, the spiritual side of things, I feel it's important to connect to something I haven't quite been able to put my finger on as a tangible thing, but that sense of spirit, that sense of going a little bit beyond. I meditate every morning and, and see if I can tap into something that's a bit beyond myself when I meditate and go, well, can I bring that to my day, which is therefore bringing that to my art. Have you felt definitively I have tapped into something that is beyond? 
Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's a bit clearer than other times too. So for example, when I painted Tootsie, I felt that I did. I felt so clearly that it was important that his his story was told a sense of social justice but beyond that too because he was very ill and I wanted to tap into the essence of, of Tootsie and I think by tapping into the essence of a person you you tap into the essence of something that's beyond us because we're all connected in some way sometimes other people might say something about my art and go oh maybe I did then and I didn't know it myself I'm all in awe of people who have that connection and have abilities even to read tarot cards in awe of that I think that's wonderful we haven't really talked about it but you are in recovery from having cancer I don't know if you want to I've got had breast cancer and I think one of the first things I discovered is how many women have that and men as well everyone knows so many people who've had cancer it's certainly the the disease of our age I feel much stronger for it and it's been it's it's been good and bad I guess like awful because you know there was a week where I wasn't sure what the verdict would be. Am I going to live? Because I knew that it was a stage three. Listeners can't see this, but I can show my new yeah. hair that this may look short, but it's actually growing back in a lovely way. And so that comes back to body issue too. Like before I might have criticised my hair, now I'm just happy to have some. <laughs> and it's uh, it's extraordinary in some ways because people are so kind like the nursing staff, the doctors, all amazing. My friends, like my support network of people who would, you know, take me into hospital and sit with me. My daughter, every second week, another dear friend and my sister taking time off work and coming in and, and sitting with me whilst I was going through the chemo. Friends who came to, to visit me, take me into hospital and said, oh, I have a friend and she's made you some hats. Oh. And people I've never even met just doing these gorgeous acts of kindness. It was just staggering. And the radiotherapy is actually has been okay. It's not as bad as, as the chemo. I've got one more treatment come Monday. So I'm so close. It'll be so good to finish it. But it certainly makes you realise, I think, goes back to that sense of connection. What is important to you? Friends and family, just top of the list, so important. Cats, of course, very important. And just, yeah, a sense of being the best that you can be, I guess, in however you choose to define that. Being kind is important too. I want to get to the end of my life and feel that you've been kind, you've done good things, you've connected with people. I'm constantly striving to be more kind because I think it's so easy and almost borderline encouraged not to be like your kindest version of yourself, especially if you're in a competitive artistic creative field or, you know, just in a big city. I think kindness is like one step beyond what people are expected to do. And I think that's an awesome goal to have for sure. And as you say, it's easy not to be kind because it is competitive and you know somebody does something really well to genuinely think I am so pleased for you it's not always easy even if you don't feel it just saying it and then sometimes saying no is the kindest thing you can do or the boundary there's the phrase that you know honest without kindness is cruelty and honesty with kindness is boundary setting and, you know, the honesty needs the kindness in order to not be punishing. Yeah. Um, and with that kindness, a truth that both people are able to sit in. Kindness to yourself. Now, there's an, an important thing as well. That cancer really speaks of that too, because you have to look at your life and go, well, what is there in my life that contributed to this in terms of stress? So that boundary setting is something I've definitely looked at and kindness to myself as well I'm sure you work so hard I mean these paintings must take forever and you make a lot of them (laughs) they do take a long time I'm I'm probably a bit of a workaholic is where my kindness needs to start to go stop it's okay to relax (laughs) I certainly caught up on Netflix during um cancer treatment so I've watched a lot of television of late so 
which is quite fun and, and good. What has stood out? Like which programs have it really done it for you? I've been a bit mindless. I have to confess that I've watched a lot of things that have required very little intellect. <laughs> so, though I, I try to convince myself that it's it's good because I watch them in Spanish if I can because I've been oh. on the long journey of learning and teaching myself uh, Spanish. I do that too. Oh my god! And I've been watching Dies Persan, which is like my, call my agent, but it's a French show. Ah, okay. And I've totally just come home every night this week and just been like flopped on the couch and then watch the show because I'm like, well, I haven't signed up for French class yet. This is definitely cheaper. I'm learning a ton. You know, it's like three hours of French or whatever a night. <laughs> so. Exactly. It's actually quite a good way to learn, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Should we quick hop to the tarot? Because I think Liz has to get going. That's like a really awkward transition. But did you have any specific question? There's so many things I could ask. Health or my art. Where should that travel? Or my kids? Or is it better to have a specific question? Or can a general tarot reading work? I would say like general is good. Liz, are you, is something going on? I, so my kiddo has type one diabetes and his Dexcom is beeping and I have to go figure out what's happening. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's important. It's either that's software okay. or hardware. Sorry, you could have yeah. totally interrupted. I didn't oh, no, know I that's just, what that you know, gesture was. No, I have, I have to hop off to go solve a little type T1D. Yeah. So type one diabetes requires a lot of in the yeah. moment management, minute to minute management. So I'm going to hop off, but lovely talking to you and enjoy the tarot reading i'm very excited to see what comes up yeah look lovely to meet you too liz so see thank you oh liz can you make me the host yes how do i millennial how do i just make me a host and then (laughs) i think it can keep going okay bye We've been going off on too much of a tangent with everything. Oh, you know, I think tangents are the best part of podcasts, honestly. So it seems so long ago that we're in Iceland. Have you been back though, haven't you? Yes, I went back in um, May of last year. I thought I saw the photos and I was, oh, I want to be there. Uh, And it was definitely what I needed. I don't know how it is in Australia or was at that time, but I'm in San Francisco, like one of the strictest cities in the country. And it was so brutal not being around anyone. And I finally got vaccinated right before I left, but I had just spent six months basically by myself cat sitting in this apartment. And okay, so being in Iceland where I could be around people, go to a restaurant or whatever, where without really worrying about it was so healing for me at the time. It's, it's hard, isn't it? I think reached in Victoria and Melbourne, we officially reached the longest lockdown of the world. <laughs> so, or it might have been the second longest, but it was either the longest or the second longest. We've had serious lockdowns, which we don't have now. We've got high cases, but I think our high cases compared to the world is still not as high because we're a smaller population. And, and yeah. it's the Omicron, so people are mostly vaccinated. Like people are getting sick, but not... So sick. Not to, you know, dismiss the severity and the seriousness because people are dying, but it's not what it could have been with the Delta variant and without lockdowns. We're sort of on the trackish towards normal, I guess. Yeah. Hopefully. I've heard from someone that it would be like kind of this fall we'll all be done with it mostly. So I'm gonna hold on. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. So you don't have any restrictions now? We know have to wear masks indoors and then you have to show your vax cards like when you go in to restaurants but I I was going to a WeWork station and I I have been doing that just because I'm like working from home and it's horrible and people were really bad I just felt like everyone around me was taking their masks off and just sitting there and then one guy was just on his zoom call in the middle of the room not going into a private booth and just like yeah I really don't even care it's just like getting the flu and he didn't have a mask on I'm like well go get the flu on your own time I actually told him to put a mask on because I was so yeah good yeah yeah it's a bit, it's very selfish, I think, because, you know, they might not be worried about getting the flu, but they're not really thinking about the people around them who might 
be worried and might actually die because it does impact them or they have low immunity or I literally said like well now everyone feels the way you do so why don't you put on a mask and he just looked at me did he do it did he put a mask on he did not no I just thought like I need to get the f out of here well especially if he's going to have that attitude then it means he's had that attitude in a lot of locations exactly that's kind of why I was like I can't sit by you because you're clearly going to do this everywhere you go and yeah Mm. no you got to look after your health that's really important well just be considerate talk about being kind it's like I wear it as much for other people as for myself, you know, like to be considerate that I won't be passing things on to them. Exactly. Exactly. It's, and it doesn't take much really, does it? I mean, it's a mask for goodness sake. It's not going to cause any issues or problems. Anyway, hopefully we're near the end. It's been a crazy time, hasn't it? Yeah. When did you get your cancer diagnosis? That was last April. So this has been going on for a while now. I've got a port in my chest that hasn't come out there. I don't know if you can sort of see a little bit of a bump there or not in the Zoom call, but that'll come out soon. So there's finish off my treatment and then have that out and then just regular scans. It was a bit of a shock and I only noticed it because it felt really, really sore lying on one side. Yeah. I went, oh, that doesn't feel normal. I was six months past my time to have a breast scan which I didn't think was so bad. And the nurses have said that it wouldn't have made, well, you don't know though. I mean, I think probably would have made a bit of a difference. But anyway, I suppose lesson is to get lots of scans. And when I felt, thought, this is all what's going on here, I thought, oh, I might be able to feel something. And then throughout the day I went, oh no, I can definitely feel something. Do the proper check, a full check and just give, give your boobs a bit of a prod really and just make sure that there's nothing there because the consequences are pretty serious if you miss something so I feel quite lucky actually that it was discovered some people don't discover it they don't feel it so the fact I could feel it that's really good because some people just have lumpy breasts too if you drink a lot of caffeine or something and so I always worry, is this just a normal lump or is it one that I should be worried about? My theory now is just get it checked anyway, because in Australia, you know, that you get free checks. Once you reach a certain age, you can have a check every two years for free. Mm-hmm. Once you reach 50, they send you this little kit in the mail to do a bowel test. <laughs> happy <laughs> birthday. About, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, 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 jab something into your poo. <laughs> Yeah, everyone has mixed feelings about that gift. Um, (laughs) My art kept me sane, though. I couldn't do much art. Like, I would still do an hour a day. But I do think that's what kept me sane, that that sense of, oh, okay, I feel like I'm me again now. And um, just sitting down painting very sort of little old ladies, like, I feel so good now. Like, I'm up and I'm going for walks and just think, oh, my God, I've got energy now. It's You take the little things and say, yep, that's great. Yeah, I know you. it's easy to take it for granted. You should just move your legs and use them while you have the energy. Yeah, absolutely. Using, having that energy to move is just a wonderful thing. It's almost like that childish joy, isn't it? When you're a kid and you run and you feel free and happy and it's just that sheer joy of using your body which we lose actually it's interesting that we lose it how about you has art sort of been keeping you sane oh definitely I mean in August or September of 2020 I started writing really seriously I joined this writing group and I just decided I was going to finish the book length story about traveling so that first year that was like my life was like get that done and then also go to the studio and it totally kept me sane because I I felt even if I was tired I had this goal to work towards you know and then and I was making that painting uh, among others that and then I'll have like studio visits in like February so I created these fake deadlines for myself yeah Um, we have to do that kept me focused like I could see my way through it you know if I had like art to work on I am very much looking forward to reading your book because you've just travelled everywhere in awe of your lifestyle of travelling and living and being an artist. It's wonderful. Well, I actually scrapped the version. There weren't enough stakes and it was a lot of complaining that things weren't going the right way. (laughs) So actually, after finishing it, I was like, I need a little break because it's starting to get done. And so then I need to think about how I want to approach it going forward. And I just decided... 
in order to give it the stakes that it would need to kind of create a narrative that's compelling, I would have to do some shadow work and dig into some heavy stuff. And I'm like, you know, the whole pandemic is shadowy enough. I don't need to be doing this right now. I'm like, I'm living in a shadow right now. So I ended up switching gears and starting these love stories. Oh, um, okay. short little like romance stories. They're based on people that I met, but not necessarily something that actually happened. And so it's a revised history. Having little, little love stories is probably what we need during COVID. Well, yeah, back to your tarot. I think I'll just do a general and see what comes cool. up. Well, so without further ado, not to like put it on you. Tarot, here we go. So if we do personal growth focused and and that will hit every area that's good because I feel there's so many things floating around me at the moment it's hard to pick one yeah okay cool so maybe I'll do challenge slash the situation now you in that situation and then the strategy going forward okay cool I'm excited okay I, so I thought you were going to get this card, the seven of rods, and I'm using the Morgan Greer tarot deck, and it's all about making space for yourself. And that's one of the two cards you got for your strategy. So for the, for the situation slash the challenge, it's the six of swords and the six of swords is about getting through a challenging time, getting through all the cancer treatments as yep. well as just the state of the world. They sort of combine too, don't they? The state of the world and then health at the same time. That's a very astute card, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's interesting because so in this card on the one side of the boat, the water is rocky and then stills out as it gets closer to land. And so okay. it's, the idea is that you're going towards a calmer place where it's going to be less turbulent it'll be safer and there's this idea too that you're being shepherded there with the help of someone and you may also be doing that for someone do you feel like you're kind of doing that for someone as well I think I always have at the back of my mind that I'm caring and trying to shepherd my children but it's always in my mind that I want to be I'm always looking out for them in my in my mind I feel like you're taking care of yourself and then you're also taking care of them and they're taking care of you. It's like, and they are, it, yeah, very, yeah, like who's doing what in the situation is like sh- shifting as I look at it. It's really interesting. Yeah. Cause it is definitely that, that unit of, of caring that goes on. And, um, and, and especially when we are going through difficult times and, you know, you've got, you know, kids and friends and you think, yeah, they vaccinated, but they're adults and they think for themselves but I still don't stop doing that. I'm still always thinking, oh, you know, should they be doing that for safety and health and and stuff like that? I think that, uh, yeah, it's probably unnecessary worry on my part, really, because they're pretty good. They can sort themselves. Yeah. And they've definitely been looking after me. They've been amazing. Suddenly your kids are there looking after you instead of the other way around. And it'd be better if they didn't have to, but you know they have to it's it's been lovely that card yeah rings very true for me good I like the fact there are still waters ahead yes like you're on your way definitely so in terms of you in this reading you're the knight of rods which is someone who's really driven to action creatively rods is usually creative projects or some kind of energy it could be potentially different energies that you're dealing with as with the seven of rods this is more about conflicting desires or people who are wanting different things from you but in this you are like i want to make my art i'm ready to go don't stop me some of what this boat um card is about the six of swords where you kind of just have to take the amount of time that it takes so you don't tip over all these swords but it seems like there's like some impatience to get moving in your art again oh yeah definitely and I reckon that's a lifelong thing there's always things getting in the way of getting into the studio Um, it can be really frustrating to find that balance where you being true to your creative self also being true to the other things that just have to be done sometimes you have to 
earn money and right. clean the kitchen and right. do all those the things that just have to be done. Well, so the strategy is the magician, which is not a beginner card, but it's at the beginning of a new journey. And okay. you're at the stage where you have all the wisdom in the universe at your ready. That's what this infinity is. Cool. So it's totally great. You're like, oh, I can tap into that. And it's about asking yourself, do you have everything you need to move forward? He has a table with all of the suits on it. This is each the suits of the, the cards. Do you have everything? Are you ready to get going? I would say for you is learning the new normal and what it is going to be as you recover your energy and getting out of COVID. What is this next stage in your career going to be as you evolve into a healthy person again? Having gone through all this, it's a rebirth time to go, well, where am I going to go with my art and what do I tap into whilst I'm I'm creating stuff? Because I do feel that, that it's an opportunity to have a bit of a rebirth. Yeah. I wonder if there is maybe some research or something then too, that you could be doing depending on what your subject is going to be, or if there is going to be some study before you fully launch into whatever it is that you're going to do next, other than like painting CEOs of, you know, famous nonprofits. I am really driven towards sculpture at the moment too. So that's a different area. I do like to learn too. So if there is study involved, I love that. I feel like both these cards, the Knight of Rods and the Magician are both in the stage where education is totally a good plan. You're not like a master of your field yet at these stages, which I was like with painting, I would never say that about you. So I was like, I don't know why you would need more education, but that actually makes sense that you would want to learn more about some material that you're going to work with. Yeah. Yeah. I've been absorbing YouTube on different sculptural techniques and armature making and, and loving it. Just going, oh, this is great. I've been delving into a few sculptures. I've sculpted my portrait of my sister and that was so cool. And just different things that I'd like to to do in that three-dimensional world. I love that. I just see your paintings turned into sculpture. Me too. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. So that is where I'm, I'm moving to. So it's interesting that it says that. And yes, I do feel I have so much to learn, which is exciting. When you, you've got something you really want to do and, and you just start that learning phase, almost like butterflies you get in your tummy because you're excited to know the information. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's that feeling, which I love. Almost the mastery. You're like, oh, done that. Or if you already know how to use a material, where's the innovation in that? You know, where's the novelty? Yeah, new materials are exciting. I think that's why most artists face light up when they go into an art shop. (laughs) So much possibility. (laughs) So many colors. It's exciting. This card, the seven of wands, it's like the counter energy to this excitement of learning something new will just be the carving out the time for the new thing. No one's going to invite you to do that. So you really are going to have to fight out when are you going to do the things that you need to do versus want to do. Yes, yes. So that's a lifelong thing, but that makes perfect sense. It's like a jigsaw puzzle in your life, isn't it? Yeah, like have a social life, exercise, go buy produce so you don't eat spaghetti for like the fifth night in a row. (laughs) Exactly. Online shopping has helped with that. That's been good. (laughs) So how to avoid spaghetti every night. (laughs) Time to cook for yourself. Exercise. It's so easy to not allow time for things that are so important if you don't do them then everything else falls down around them I remember having a conversation with somebody at one stage and he was quite a materialistic human and to him money was the most important thing and I said no time time is the most time absolutely just to have time to do everything that you want to do you can't put a price on it so and did he feel convinced after talking to you no, not at all, <laughs> so, uh, which was a shame. He probably if he thought, well, who knows? People have different beliefs and different ways of, of being. But I think that for him, the money was really about time anyway. He might be coming at that idea from a different angle. but it's- Yeah, it, it still comes to the same thing if you sort of follow through the steps. There's no doubt about that to be able to afford time. Such a great, great thing oh, to a have. For sure. Isn't it a lovely luxury? 
Well, that's an interesting reading, Sarah. I think you hit on quite a few things there. It uh, it seems very accurate for where I feel that I'm at at the moment. The three card reading can be quite enough of information. You know, you can really get a lot out of it, even though pretty minimal. Well, it feels very validating too. Just the things that I've been thinking feel quite, oh yeah, the universe is agreeing with me here. That's good. Oh, totally. Yeah. (laughs) The universe just sends you all the signs and it depends on the severity of the one that you're going to listen to basically. When did you start doing tarot reading? Not that long ago. It was in 2019 during one of my travels. I bought a deck of cards and started obsessively doing them for myself. And then I ended up taking a couple of classes over the course of 16 weeks where you learn all about the deck and the history of all the imagery. But I think as a painter, you know, you've studied this imagery as long as you've known art history. So I think that's partly why I took to it so easily. And then just always my interest in woo-woo content. Love woo-woo content. It's really, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And our, our readings that we had in Iceland, I thought they were great. Yeah, they were um, so good. What yeah. did you say? Well, one of the things that Dharma said, and I was a bit like your, that lady that you had the reading with, I was thinking, oh, I don't know how that could ever happen. I didn't say anything at the time because I was thought, well, you'd never know, let's wait and see. Lots of problems and stress. She said that that will stop. And I remember at the time thinking, no, it won't. I can't stop. I can't see how that's going to stop. Um, But then COVID came and yeah, just when that happened, I went, oh, wow, that happened. You're like, she's good. She's good. Yeah. And she was just really spot on with um, like, she summed up my kids' personalities just to a T. Um, She didn't mention my health. So maybe, I don't know, she probably didn't see that or didn't see it as a thing. I forgot to ask her about my art. And then I remember emailing her afterwards and thinking, gosh, that's such an important thing to me. Why didn't I? And anyway, I'll have to go back to Iceland to have that reading. Absolutely. But she said everything will end up well, that it was a good circle and that she did tarot reading and that at the end of it, it was like sunshine and that made me very happy. But I remember I remember you came out of your reading and she said that you're going to be so successful with your art and everything, which um, I thought, yes, how fabulous. So oh, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, she was kind of like, you get to decide what kind of star you want to be. That was oh, the last thing she said. And I was like, oh, I love that. That's nice. And then um, and it made me think like, both around my art, but then also around like the writing that I was doing, you know, and thinking about what do I want to put out into the world. And my travel memoir, honestly, was just so complainy. I don't know. And I, you know, I, I, it made me think like, yeah, maybe this isn't what I want to put out into the world because travel writing in and of itself is a little like colonialist too. Um, And it just made me think like, I need to be more responsible with like the content that I'm putting out there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So maybe explore the beauty at the same time, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, so there's your journey, I suppose. It was like a long journey. I mean, that was now two years ago. So. Yeah. But it is a long journey we're on really, isn't it? It's actually really short, short and long. It's a funny mix, isn't it? It sort of zips past, but uh, Mm yeah. Yeah. So do you feel that that's influenced what you're writing about then having had that reading and that that thought process from it? No, not so much. It more just stuck with me. Like I get to choose how I interact with the world, but really it it was more about like feeling like, how did it feel to continue to write this book or how does it feel to continue to work on this painting? And I just realized, oh, I don't want to feel the stress of it. I want to feel the joy that I am feeling and not worry so much about who's going to like it or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to appeal to some art world that I think is going to like it. I just decided, you know, the world's dark enough. If I'm the only one who gets any joy out of it, I need to enjoy what I'm doing right now, even if it's just flowers or love stories or whatever, you know? And so then I doubled down on that after that point. That was like, yeah, February of 2021. And I was just like, yeah, I think I really just need to have fun in the studio. And why isn't that always the thing that I'm trying to do, you know? It's a, yeah, you really have to get to that, don't you? That's um, just doing it for you, really. And your own 
because it doesn't matter what you do, you'll have people that don't really like what you do or say, yeah, or not understand what you do. And, um, yeah, it's uh, you can only ever be about you, but it is a hard place to get to just to, you know, not worry about what other people might think. Um, I reckon you develop a really thick skin as an artist. I, you know, oh I've had a couple God. of moments where I remember once I had this Facebook ad up for some prints and I'm lucky that I've had enough people say lovely things about my artwork, so I'm okay. But I remember this one person who was an artist said, oh, yuck. <laughs> if that had happened to me in my early 20s, I would have gone, oh, that's it, I'm not doing anything more now. Whereas in that instance, I could just go, oh, yeah, okay, and actually thought it was pretty funny. But I think that's sort of evidence, isn't it, that you can't be just pleasing people. We did a tour as part of my class in grad school of Cecily Brown, one of the young British artists from the 90s, and she makes these really sexual, abstractish, expressionist paintings. Um, and she told us, like, you can really only appeal to three of the five audiences if you break down the art world into five audiences the general public collectors galleries critics and institutions you should choose the three that you really want to target those will be it you can't do all five and so just don't even try (laughs) you know yeah that's really interesting So who do you tend to target? Well, it made me think, who do I wish I targeted and who do I ultimately like want to appeal to? I feel like in there should be other artists. I tend to value the opinion of other artists a lot. I would say that that maybe goes in with like art world professionals, critics and writers as well, because that means a lot to me because they kind of know what they're talking about. And then the other ones, I'm not really sure because I do want to make money off my work, but I don't want to feel like that's the only reason why my work is getting any traction, you know? Yeah. Just because it's easy to sell or it's not critically interesting for that reason I would want institutions to be interested yeah Um, and then I would like the general public because I just believe that my work should be accessible because of the reasons we were talking about with wanting to connect to some human emotion or experience that is relatable very rewarding if people like it and that then also ties into museums and things like that so people can then see it through that too That larger platform, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good sort of target audience, really. What Mm. about you? What would your three be? That's pretty similar to me. I do want people to like it. You've connected somehow. And I think that's my aim. I don't always know that that's my aim. But then when I look back, I go, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. The museum and, and bigger platforms like that to have my work, that'd be pretty pretty damn cool I think what were the other ones so you got people people critics gallerists collectors and institutions yeah I find critics really scary (laughs) they they terrify me for some reason collectors I like because that's nice to pay the bills if somebody cares for your work enough to collect I sort of tie that in with people people become collectors You don't have to be somebody who is a collector as such. They just have to have the resources and the desire and then they automatically become a collector of your artwork. I I will say critics and other artists because even though I find it terrifying, you know, a critic that seems so formal and, you know, maybe it's that feeling that, oh, you know, we pretenders when we're creating that they might see through I don't know what they're seeing through. There's nothing to see through. <laughs> but, right. but maybe. Like your uh, worst fears, like a laser pointing right at them. Exactly. Every insecurity you've ever had since you were a tiny girl. They'll amplify it and show mm-hmm. it to the world. Exactly. And light an effigy of you on fire and just burn it in front of everyone. That's the fear. Your work yeah. totally has a through line. I mean, you it's so people-centric. It is people-centric. You're like doing a character study of your fellow humans. Probably would have been a psychiatrist in another life. Maybe (laughs) next time. Hopefully once we're through COVID, we can both move forward in terms of achieving those things. What about you? You have your commissions and you have your painting. 
I've had a few lovely things happen. So I got a piece accepted by the MIA Museum in um, Barcelona. So that was my big news oh. last year. So I thought, oh, that's nice. I've got a piece that's been, that's in a museum. I, in Spain, I've sort of, I think Spain's my, my place. I keep sort of getting drawn back there somehow. I've got an exhibition coming up in May here that I've been working on with the musician. It's been delayed until now, but we're finally having that. It's about a conversation between an artist and a, a musician, and it's exactly what it was, just us sitting down over some red wine and chatting about the things we think are important. It's going to be almost like an installation in the setup in that it's like chairs and a coffee table with spilt wine, and around each is, is paintings and music for each of the conversations. So people will scan a QR code and hear the music. It's been a long time coming. It'll be good to actually have it happen. And at the moment, I'm just doing another series of eyes for it just through the generations and this is going to be in a separate room so the the exhibition is in a series of different gallery spaces and one of them is called the Summerland, and it's about the journey towards the afterlife mm. and so what I'm currently working on is a series of just big eyes up that big that's it just the eye from oh, sort of like birth to 100 going around the wall and then apart from that sculpture so that's my first half of the year is is the commissions and exhibition the second half of the year is moving towards getting some sculpture done and developing those skills it feels like a lot but stuff yeah. I love doing do you have yeah. an assistant no I should have one It'd yeah nice I think you one. need an assistant this year I- I think I probably do, don't I? Do you have an assistant? Do you have somebody who... I don't, but I'm talking about hiring someone for my social media. That sounds okay. It's And and even just sort of liking and commenting on what people say can just lead you down a rabbit hole that takes you away from actually doing what you want to do you know get your work done hey Sarah I'm gonna have to go in a minute totally this has been so wonderful and amazing (laughs) we've just had so much to say haven't we thank you for inviting me it's a real privilege to be here I appreciate it the honor is all mine thank you so much it was really lovely to talk to you all right you have a lovely afternoon is it afternoon morning it's nighttime have a lovely evening. You have a lovely <laughs> afternoon. I, I will have a lovely afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Take care, Sarah. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo.